Welcome to the Ready to Run podcast. I'm your co-host, Efren Kabalius, and I'm a sports medicine physician. I'm your co-host, Kurt Roser, and I'm a physical therapist. We're based out of the Boulder, Colorado area and have a passion for working with endurance athletes of all abilities. The goal of our podcast is to engage in thoughtful discussions with athletes, coaches, and clinicians to share knowledge within the field of sports medicine and inspire progression in the sport of running. We hope to empower individuals to navigate injuries, reduce injury risk, optimize training and performance, and provide listeners with the tools needed to get ready to run. You'll be able to listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. Subscribe and leave a rating and review to let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear on the show. You can also follow us on Instagram at Ready to Run Podcast, as well as our website, readytorunpodcast.com. In this episode of the Ready to Run Podcast, we meet with Dan King, who is a U.S. Masters runner from Boulder, Colorado. Dan is an accomplished runner and currently holds the world record in the 60 to 64 age group in the mile with a time of 4.49.08 set in 2020. He discusses how he overcame a years-long injury of recurring plantar fasciitis and calf strains, which ultimately led to his unique training regimen focusing on high-volume cross-training and easy interval method running. His training methods and plant-based lifestyle have led to his success and longevity in running as a world-class master's athlete, and he shares some great advice for the person who has the goal of being a lifelong runner. Let's get ready to run with master's runner and cross-training king, Dan King. All right. Welcome to the Ready to Run podcast. Uh, we're really excited for our guest today. We have Dan King with us. He's an elite masters runner um, in Boulder, Colorado, former collegiate distance runner at CU. And um, one of his most notable recent achievements um, in 2020, he ran a 449, I believe, uh, for at the time a world record in the mile for the 60 uh, year old. Uh, age group. Um, and then uh, I also, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I think you've also broken five each year since then. And that's kind of a, a goal of yours for the next bit um, is to keep breaking five in the mile. And yeah, uh, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. Um, thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, maybe um, let's just start with um, if you want to take us back to that uh, 2020 uh, um 449 um and kind of the build up to that and yeah uh aftermath of that and kind of what what that was like that experience hmm. yeah it was uh it was interesting i um it was actually the, the that summer would be the summer i was going to turn 61 i i had set a goal for myself to see if i could break 5 minutes for the mile actually when i was in my mid 50s and the impetus for that was I was running, I ran a 1500 in the equivalent time of about um, a 457 at 56 years old. And on the way home from that uh, race, I read the article that Nike was developing this new prototype shoe <clears throat> called the, uh, I don't remember what it was called at the time, but it was basically the 4% shoe is how I remember it. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, if, if a shoe can make me 4% faster, and I'm 56 and I'm going to lose about 1% a year with aging. Then in four years with this new shoe, I'm still a five minute miler. 
so that goal hatched on uh, on the ride home from a, a meet reading after reading that article, which is super interesting to me. Um, in 2020, it was um, I didn't really get much running in in 2019 because I had a really bad back injury. I heard it trying to wakeboard and uh, it just like radiated pain down my glute into my hamstring down one of my legs and it literally took nine months to sort of like fully resolve um so then 2020 came and i was starting to feel healthy and then the covid pandemic hit and so i was like well <laughs> but um the one no, the one goal no racing had, for a while yeah there, i didn't you know i had i had a whole bunch of goals on my cal- or races on my calendar at the beginning of the year and then covid hit and the next race up for me was going to be a mile and uh, it got canceled, but that was the one, the thing I was, had started to try to train for. And since I had nothing else to train for anyway, I just kept training to see if I could run a fast mile. Um, I ended up doing, you know, some time trials that gave me some confidence. And then eventually a few things showed up on the calendar. Namely, um, first it was um, the MCDC meet in Tennessee. I went out for that, but I had a, mm-hmm. kind of a wonky hamstring at the time. So I, I ran 457 there. It gave me great confidence. I could, I could run, you know, close to the American and world record times. Um, unfortunately, the meet director, Dave Milner, put on another race in South Carolina a few weeks after that. So that um, I went out there. Um, Dathan's group was out there. Ollie Horry um, broke the Tennessee soil record for the open mile. And then after his race, I got to run the mile. I was so fired up. And uh, he warmed up the track had, for you. Yeah, exactly. I had a, I had a couple of pacers because there's no other masters in the races that turned out. So I had to invite a couple of people to run with me and, uh, John Minan from Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually paced me in that. It was super fun. And yeah. That's awesome. I turned, yeah, it was, it was just a great experience. Really one of the funner things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cool to, it was, you know, a bit of a community thing too. There was other folks from town with John pacing you from, you know, like he's a well-known uh, runner in town here and, um, yeah. So it's kind of makes it like extra fun where it's like some other, like people, you know, at the meet and it's kind of more of an event around it. Um, yeah. And super impressive. Um, yeah. And you also, I know still like to do some cross country races and that's something that you've had success with in the past. So, um, yeah, just kind of, um, dabbling in all the different, uh, kind of like the USA TF events that kind of they, they put on and I, I guess, nationally and internationally um too so yeah it's just really cool to see that you're having fun with it and um yeah like have found ways um to uh continue having fun with it and that's kind of one of the things that like we were really hoping to share with um other masters runners out there or or, you know people like me who are soon to be masters runners of like um you can still have a lot of fun and and run super fast and enjoy the process and you might have to kind of think outside the box of you know running 80 90 100 miles a week and um doing the same training that you did when you were 25 or or 30 um and still be able to get really good results so i guess kind of briefly like um we've talked about it in the past but like you've managed a couple different injuries over the years. Um, some of them like pretty chronic and other ones have kind of come and gone. Um, but I feel like that's one of the things that has kind of led you to kind of currently where you're at and your ability to train. Um, so yeah, any, um, I guess kind of advice for people like, uh, 
dealing with an injury that's long-term um, or like kind of what's worked for you in the past with um, some of the things that you've dealt with? Yeah. So I, I, like to, to start off with, um, it, it'd probably be helpful for, for people to realize that, um, you know, philosophically, you know, I, I used to like a lot of people. I can, I consider myself an athlete and I considered myself a runner in my, even in my thirties. But as I was going through my thirties and getting into my forties, I was always having setbacks and it was primarily with plantar fasciitis on my right heel. So I, it was sort of, a uh, the scar tissue that remained from when I really destroyed it as a collegiate athlete. And the thing that would be so frustrating is I could start getting into a good cycle of running and then it would flare up and I would have to just, it's the kind of injury that causes me anyway, I would just have to shut things down for a protracted period of time. It could be weeks, it could be months. And the runner in me just said, okay, well, now you get, you get some rest and then, you know, when it's healthy, you run again. And then all of a sudden, you know, the frequency of that was such that it was like, I don't know, it's just, it's after a while, you're just like, I can't be resting this much all the time. Right. And the other interesting I'll just call it, it was just a purely a coincidence, but I had picked, I picked up a book called Younger Next Year. And it made a really good argument about the importance of exercise as it relates to aging um, and specifically to not decaying. And I read that and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, that, you know, I don't want to just be a sedentary person when I'm an injured runner, because that's more often than not these days. And so I sort of philosophically just decided to redefine myself as an athlete and not a runner, but an endurance athlete. So I bought mm -hmm. a bike and, you know, I started, you know, going into a gym, I would get, you know, elliptical uh, or get a gym membership where they had elliptical training devices. I'd start riding my bike. That was about when I started, like I used to work in downtown Denver. I live in Boulder. I used to, I used to ride into my office, you know, twice a week, all summer long from like April to October. And it was purely because of that orientation um, philosophically. And then, uh, you know, still my first love is running. It always has been. Um, but, but it just gave me something to do to, to stay active, to feel like it could stay healthy. And now when I look back at it and I'm in my, almost in my mid sixties at this point, I'll turn 64 this summer. I haven't not been fit since I was 40 years old. Like mm -hmm. I literally have been consistent with cardiovascular exercise over the last 25 years. Um, and I think it pays huge dividends, not only, not only for how to train to continue to run at a high level uh, as a limited volume runner, but um, just in terms of my ability to enjoy all the things I still love to, to do in my life. I love to ski, you know, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, my, I don't run in the winter times primarily because I like skiing so much. And there's just like, I mean, when I, I don't compete in the winter love to play golf, hike, those kinds of things. You got like 30 plus days of uh, skiing in this year, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a good day for me is 34, 35,000 vertical feet. I just love to go up and down a mountain and ski mm -hmm. fast and ski through trees and skiing powder and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting point you make. A couple of interesting points you just made. I wanted to hop off of here because like, it seems it's a lot of times, like when we cover sports and things, we highlight these like very like discrete moments in time, but we don't talk about longevity, I think enough. And um, it seems like that's, it's, it's such a harder thing to do is to maintain that consistency in sport um, as you have done. Um, 
And, um, you know, so I just want to kind of commend you on that. That's, it's a pretty fascinating thing. The other thing I'm curious about, um, you mentioned when this, this book, um, I'm not familiar with the book. I've never read it. Um, but, but the concept of like, um, I forget how you described it just a second ago, preventing decay or deterioration, whatever the words you said. Um, but, um, I'm curious to know if you were doing any sort of like strength training at the time. And if you do now, or if that was part of your change in philosophy, I have always dabbled with some amount of strength training, but actually working with people like you two has um, helped me appreciate the importance of it even more. Um, I want to also one other thing about me in terms of just philosophy. So, so one of my philosophies is just this sort of self-definition as an athlete and staying, you know, aerobically fit year round so that I can not only run, but I can do other things. The other the other thing for me is that I always, I never feel like I've, um, I never feel like I've actually ever run to my full potential at any point in my life. Um, I probably the closest in my sixties that I've ever, oh, I certainly am the closest in my sixties that I've, I've ever been because I age grade almost 97% in some of the competitions I've done, but, but I'm just driven by this idea that I can do more things to get better and and really sort of get closer to what my true capability is as an athlete at the age I'm at. And that's where strength training has come in a lot of late. I realized, you know, they're, you know, aging well as a master's athlete. I think it's a requirement to do strength training. I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's another tool to I'll just call it stem decay um, mm-hmm. as an athlete. And not only do I think it's probably just beneficial for, for running, but it's just beneficial for life at this point. You know, I like the feeling of being strong. I don't like the feeling of of sort of feeling fragile. Mm -hmm. And to me, strength training has a huge, it's partly a psychological benefit, but it's very much also, I think a very, a very real physical benefit. Mm -hmm. So, so the strength training, and then the other thing for me, of the last couple of years has been just more of a commitment towards side of plyometric types of drills, you know, bounding and hopping and sprinting and things that help create certain load on elastic tissues and um, parts of the body. I just think those things are also super helpful with kind of movement patterns and, and just feeling like you can get up and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, and I think we've talked about this, but like uh, strength training is kind of like, the cost of doing business if you want to continue to run, um, as a, as a master's athlete. Um, and really like, um, around the age of 35 is when that starts becoming like, um, a a true thing for everyone, because, you know, our hormone levels start changing a little bit and our tolerance to repetitive loading is decreasing a little bit, even though our, um, you know, our cardiovascular like ability isn't really starting to starting to decline maybe a tiny bit, but really holding pretty steady. Um, yeah. And I, I really liked how you said, um, you had this kind of shift mentally to, um, just be a, you know, a generally healthy human with the aerobic exercise. And I think that's a really good way to look at it rather than, um, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to cross train so that I can do this race six months from now or six weeks from now or or whatever. Um, cause I I think that's something that a lot of runners struggle with. Um, and then, uh, you know, like good runners, um, that I know, um, just antidotally and in my personal experience, 
aren't necessarily always like the healthiest people um, on a lot of different levels, behaviorally or, or whatever. So just because someone's a fast runner when they're 25, like you don't have to have a great diet or have, you know, great, like, you know, stress uh, management skills or whatever. So um, that's like really a, uh, I think an important thing to like note is like, as we get older, like just to be like, you know, kind of normal, healthy humans, and then continue to do the stuff we want to do, you start have to pay more attention to those little things. And I think everybody starts to kind of learn that in maybe their own way. Yeah. The, I think, I think the nutrition is underappreciated probably by, especially, you know, um, athletes in their prime, um, probably sleep is underappreciated and probably, uh, they probably underappreciate their resilience to like injury and, and how much time it takes to like adapt to new levels of stress on your body. Those are the things that I can look back on my own journey and say, okay, these are the things that are getting harder to do effectively without having setbacks. Right. Um, so yeah, I agree with, with all of that. Um, you know, yeah, totally. You, um, if there's any, uh, you know, 20, 20, 25 year olds listening, like you don't, uh, you don't know what you've got in terms of your adaptability right now. Right. How quickly you bounce back from injuries, how, how resilient your tissues are to like new load and new stress. You know, when you're, when you're my age, you just overdo it one day and it's like, okay, you get three weeks off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Minim minimally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the strength training, I know that's something that we've like kind of talked about, um, together and, uh, yeah, like that's something that you're really, you know, devoted to just being consistent and like seeing some progress in that. And, um, I think it's hopefully somewhat enjoyable, but, um, but yeah, that's a, uh, there's some pretty good research coming out to that. Like strength training is good for performance in all runners, but particularly in, in a master's athlete, it's something that should be really prioritized, uh, because it's going to load our bone and tendon and joints in ways that are um, really complementary to running, um, and improve the capacity of those tissues to handle, um, the types of running that we want to do. So, um, I think that's yeah. been a big shift. Yeah. yeah. Specific to the master's athlete too. It's, um, there's some research that, you know, uh, we tend to lose specifically like type two muscle fibers, but there's a disproportionate loss in our plantar flexors, mm -hmm. so our, your gastrox and soleus. That's why you see these Achilles plantar fascia issues pop up and more commonly in patients who are like, uh, 35 and above, um, and, calf strains, uh, calf strains. Um, <laughs> yes. Calf strains for sure. Holy cow. <laughs> I guess you can touch on that in a sec. Oh um, my God. But, um, uh, but yeah. And, 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 and so that, that, that's usually when I have like a master's athlete come in now, I'm like, that's kind of these, one of these non-negotiables of like, if you do nothing at all, please do some calf strengthening because um, that is the one thing that's going to uh, give you the most uh, reduction in injury risk and maybe even improve performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I could just uh, chime in one thing, I think one of the most beneficial exercises that was a result of that 10 X procedure was the eccentric stretching and strengthening of the, of the whole back of the lower leg, the Achilles and the, in the calf. Um, that has made my calves so much more robust over the last two years um, because I just have made that a very regular practice and I do it with a 40 pound kettle kettlebell. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, anyway, yeah. I give high, 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 high marks for that one and the importance of it. Yeah. And it, um, you know, it doesn't take a ton of time either. And it's like almost so simple that I think people are like, Oh, why should I spend my time 
doing that, you know, exercise because it's not very, it's not particularly uh, jazzy um, or even like the seated calf raise machine, you know, just putting some load in that way. Um, but yeah, really important. Um, and then it can be a stepping stone to like you mentioned, some of those higher intensity plyometrics or hopping um, or sprinting, which um, yeah, like that's something that in small doses, um, but you know, kind of week in, week out or periodized maybe over the year, um, you've got to keep that in because if, um, if you're just doing cross training and just doing some easy running and then you go try to, you know, do it, even if it's just a local 5k or something, that's kind of where we see people run into trouble is not doing a whole lot of high intensity stuff. Um, and then trying to do something higher intensity and their body's not used to that. So, um, yeah, maybe we could kind of dive into that. Like you're the, the way that you're structuring running training now is like you, you do, um, a couple days a week, but still have, those are some kind of quality days and then some pretty small doses of faster running in there. Right. Um, but my current training, um, methodology, my running is I've been following, a um, a, a, a method called easy interval training. And so all my runs, uh, or most of my runs, I should say, um, are either one K intervals with kind of long recoveries, but the, the they're not, super fast one Ks. They're like half marathon to marathon pace Ks with almost equivalent amount of rest or they're 400 meters that are closer to my 10 K pace um, with 400 meters of rest or 200 meter intervals at maybe my three K pace with 200 meters of recovery in between. So it's like the, the structure of it is run the interval at that pace, walk for about 10 seconds, then very comfortable running to the start of the next interval, a little bit of walking transitioning into the next interval. And, and that's been, that's what I've done for probably the last like year and a half. Um, and then maybe every six day I'll go do a workout, like a workout, meaning I might do VO two max intervals, or I might do tempo threshold type of training, or if it's getting close to a race season, I like to do 300 meter um, intervals on the track, but more like at my mile pace. Mm -hmm. So those, those types of things, you know, those things that, you know, those are the hard days. Um, but yeah. I love that. I love those comfortable, but sort of fast intervals. Cause they're very, for me, they lift my, they, they, they let me run at a pace that just feels kind of fun still, you mm -hmm. know, I'm six, almost 64 years old and I still, you know, my, my, my 200 meter intervals are somewhere between, let's say 38 and 40 seconds. Um, and mm -hmm. so that, that's just a fun running pace, but it's not an exhausting running pace. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so I feel like I get a lot of the proper, like I'll just call it the, uh, the running economy and the, the neuromuscular stimulation by, by doing that type of running training. And then my, my other days, so I run every other day, the other days are cross training days. I tend to do long, um, long, longer sessions of either pool running or elliptical training that tend to be in like a five zone model. They tend to be the upper end of my zone one or the lower end of my zone two is tend to be where I train. And those can mm -hmm. be anywhere from like 65 minutes to 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, so can, yeah, every other day running with, uh, you know, uh, kind of fairly low intensity, um, cross training on the, the odd days, um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's also interesting that it's super popular right now and running in general, the more kind of like, um, 
like threshold based or higher volume of threshold training, like the kind of Norwegian model um, of training. And that's kind of similar to what you're describing where you'll maybe do a couple of those a week and then maybe one faster, um, more kind of VO2 max or speed type session, traditional kind of speed session. Yeah. Um, I think my, I think my, my, um, my easy interval days are not nearly as demanding as those like double threshold days that people are like, oh, you know, the Ingebrigtsen oh, model. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's that, but, but it, it does keep me into, um, I'll just call it a, a, a pace of running that just feels like, Hey, it feels psychologically. It's just fun for me. Like this morning, I love the two hundreds on the track. I don't know what it is about just two hundreds, but you know, mm-hmm. that's, I feel like I'm still a runner, you know, it's like the, the thing I fear about getting old as a master's runner is when my fast runs are going to look like jogging to other people, you know, it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know that that's just uh that's a day I hope never comes. I know it will, but it's just not a day I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep doing those calf raises. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. We wanted to take a quick break to share our experience with Joint Health Plus from Prevenex. Joint pain is one of the most common injuries seen in runners of all ages and becomes increasingly prevalent as we get older. Luckily, we know that running is not bad for your knees and joints and does not increase your risk of osteoarthritis. In fact, Being physically active and exercising regularly is very important for joint health and overall health. I've tried a number of products over the years targeted at joint health and haven't liked any as much as I like this new blend from Prevenix called Joint Health Plus. I've taken it for about six months now and had my best marathon training block with less knee and ankle stiffness after long runs and bigger workouts. I also seem to come off the marathon really well in terms of recovery. It uses a proprietary blend of anti-inflammatories that are clinically proven to decrease pain in people who exercise. I think it is definitely worth giving a try for a couple months if you're dealing with any joint pain or stiffness in conjunction, of course, with strengthening, load management, and overall eating well and doing all of the other little things that we all should be doing. Check out Prevenix.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X and use code ready to run for 15% off your first order. Prevenex offers a 100% satisfaction money back guarantee and their mission is to spread health to all of us. I'm curious about this. It's called the easy interval method. Is that what it's called? Yeah, easy interval method. The author's name is Klaus Locke. Um, he's, uh, he's, I think he's from Holland. I believe. Okay. And uh, anyway, he wrote a book and I, I got connected to him on Facebook. And so he sort of quasi coached me for the last year, year and a half. Um, I just check oh. in with him and, and ask him questions about that method. And he would always be available to support anything yeah. that I wanted. I'll have to look this one up myself. Cause I'm just, just hearing about this and um, kind of listening to you and um, thinking of your, in, in running the mile and thing. And um I'm hearing like the switch in paces, switch in cadences, and I'm almost like this. It seems like it's building like this, like your ability to react to change very quickly, like on a track. I mean, DD and it almost builds like a neuromuscular response is what I'm gathering. Does that sound about right? Um, I, it just makes running at those faster paces more comfortable for me. I think that's yeah. the main thing. I just, you know, it makes it more normal, more natural. I like the way I used to train and it was, I was effective. The, the model before the easy interval method was I was sort of following Jack Daniels. Okay. Uh, you know, book. And, and so I was, you know, copying a lot of workouts out of that. And, 
I liked those hard training sessions too, but I always felt like those were a little bit putting, I would, I, it's a nice, you know, it's a, it's a thin line between getting enough work at those faster running paces and having setbacks. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, as a master is one of the things you're trying to do is just figure out effective ways to train and, and not get hurt. And, you know, the, I mentioned this before, but I like to, I periodically will take, I'll just call it, I take, I detune from competitive racing in the wintertime um, because I like to ski and do other stuff. And I don't want to just be sort of, I just, I don't want to be a slave to competitive running year round. I, I, it makes it fresher for me if I have breaks from it. And, but the, the risk of taking those breaks is that, you know, tissues in your 60, they seem to detune more quickly than maybe when I was younger. And then when you reload them with new stresses, then you just put them at risk to get hurt. And so, so for me, I've always had this challenge of like, when I start introducing faster running into my, my routine, my likelihood of having a setback goes way, way up, especially early in the season. And, you know, those things can just compound on themselves because the setback leads to more time off and then you're in a hurry to try to get fit and then you get hurt again. And so it's like, you know, it's just a, it's a bad cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people that have the two hard days, one long run a week and they do it year round, they don't, they don't have that detuning and then retuning of, of tissues to stress, right? They're always sort of used to, used mm-hmm. to it. So, so it's sort of unique to the way I train but it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a challenge that I have to figure out how to manage yeah. through. Yeah. But it's probably great for that, you know, that runner out there who, who, um, maybe does like one or two goal races a year and does other things. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting methodology that, that sounds pretty fascinating. And I think for longevity, longevity, it's, it's really important to not be doing like the same thing year round. Like, um, you know, like when you're in your, uh, twenties or mid thirties, like, yeah, like if you want to be maximizing your racing potential, then like you kind of have to be doing it year round, I think. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, like kind of like breaking it up. And then as long as you're kind of gradual and like, um, like you even said, you're kind of, you know, that it's going to take time to get to where you want to be. And you have to be really careful with that buildup. Um, so yeah, it's just being patient there, but it's kind of better to have like a planned little buildup like that than an, un, you know, unplanned one, basically that could come at a bad time. And yeah, the other thing I think that, um, is important in, in your training is you don't, um, you don't do much of a long run or do you do a long run? Um, or kind of what's your, what's your thoughts no, on I, that? I, uh, I've just not had good luck with long runs. Um, you know, that, the the most problematic parts of my physiology, I've, I've had the planner problem and it used to blow up with either too much intensity or too much volume. And the long run was sort of just a bad fit for that problem. Um, and then the other problem I have is I sort of have arthrit- some arthritis in my, in my big toes on both feet. Um, that really almost ended my running about five years ago. That was one of the one of the benefits of the carbon plated shoes that I got is it just mm-hmm. has such mo- so much stiffer. I run on my midfoot, but I don't have nearly as much flexing through that great toe joint because of the carbon. Um, and so it's totally saved my feet, but neither the long run, sorry, neither, the, neither my arthritic toes nor my planner are fans of long runs. They, you know, it's just too much time. So I haven't, you know, I've had a few of my 1K easy interval sessions go over 10 miles, you know, maybe like, like just or hit exactly 10 miles. 
And because of the recoveries and stuff, that still might be an hour and 20 minutes. So mm -hmm. technically that's almost a long run, but, but I, but outside of those types of workouts that just sort of accidentally got, I never structure something that is quote unquote, I'm going to go run for 90 minutes or, you know, a hundred minutes. I just don't do that. Um, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'll gladly go for a two to three hour bike ride. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's totally entertaining. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I mean, I think that's pretty brilliant because I find myself in the clinic, you know, talking, uh, masters runners all the, not all the time, but, um, multiple times per month out of like trying to do the same type of long run that they did, you know, like a decade or two decades ago for their marathon buildup and trying to run two and a half hours or two hours or 24 miles or, or whatever it is. And, um, that's just like, um, uh, the risk to benefit ratio just isn't, isn't there. Um, especially if you're somebody that's got a, a lot of miles in your legs, I think, um, so I think that's pretty, pretty smart. And I think that's probably what a, a lot of, um, athletes will start to kind of find is that, um, they can, they can still do maybe even longer races, um, but just like not have to worry about like that same length of a long run. And especially if you're, um, kind of, uh, uh getting, getting some good cross training in there and time on feet kind of in that way. Um, so I think that's an interesting, um, thing, but that is where, like, we see a lot of injuries from post post a long run or obviously like faster running is when people are going to tend to strain a hamstring or calf or right, right. That sort of a thing. Those are the ones I get. <laughs> I get the ones from the fast running. Those are the ones that show up on my doorstep. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing in, um, you know, males versus females, um, male masters athletes are going to be, um, you know, more prone to things like tendinopathies or plantar fasciitis, like you've mentioned. Um, Whereas yeah, females, maybe, uh, uh, luteal tendinopathy, proximal hamstring injuries, um, maybe a bit more like hip and knee away prevalence. I'm not quite sure on that one, but yeah, there is like a, um, a bit of a difference in just, uh, the type of injuries we might see male to yeah. female, but um, uh, Kurt, I would, just one more thing just came to my mind because we, we talked earlier about the fact that I ran a 449 mile when I turned 61. And at the time that was a world record and an American record. But, um, over that next 12 months, the way I was with this way I train, I also ran, I also broke the American record for, for 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, which I ran 10.22 miles or something to that effect. I went through 15K in 54.30, which was a 15K record, and I went through 10 miles in 58.36, which oh, was wow. a 10-mile record. So even though I don't do long runs, I can still run fast over, you know, I mean, the way I train doesn't limit me to being a miler or an 800-meter runner or anything like that. I actually consider myself very much an endurance athlete, and somebody who could, I, I'm very confident I could run a pretty fast half marathon on the way I train as well. I don't mm -hmm. care to run a marathon, so I'm not worried about that, but, but <laughs> I'm not, I don't feel like it, you know, not doing the long run limits me from still getting to pretty high, you know, high level performance levels, um, even for those longer distances. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's what I, that's what I mean is, um, yeah, people get myself included tied. I'm, I'm preparing myself to break myself of my, uh, current running, uh, mentality of like, oh, you like, you kind of need to do this to do that. And, um, yeah, I just see people all the time that kind of get stuck in that tied to doing a certain type of long runner workout or whatnot. And, um, 
yeah, I just think like there's there's more um, efficient ways to get to the same goal for sure. Um, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The uh, that was on a, on a track, right? Yeah, so, it was yeah. it was a lot of laps on a track. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> in a in a total uh, rainstorm too. I mean, by by about ten k in, it was just pouring. Couldn't hardly see across the field. It was like wow. I, oh, I, felt wow. for the, I felt for the volunteers that were out there. I was fine. I was just running in the rain. It was kind of fun, but. <laughs> oh, where, where was that? It was in Boston. Boston. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The end and, of 2021. We, yeah. We're, so we're recording this two days before Boston marathon. Um, yeah. The, um, I, I don't want to dissuade people from running marathons, but, um, I do find it interesting and I'm curious your thoughts, like, um, why yeah why do you think that's such a big goal for 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 masters runners is is still marathoning versus um shorter distances and kind of how did you why is that not your um a big interest for you yeah i just speculation but i think that um as as runners age they that we all get slower as we age you know anybody who is you know <clears throat> yeah that it, that the physio- physiological reality is is aging slows us down as, as athletes, you know. Or, but and I think I think what with with runners with masters runners, I think um, you know you you more lose you probably feel like you lose more of the ability to run fast than to run run long. And you know, people are always looking for new goals, new new things to sort of put out there to keep their motivational levels up. And it, it lends itself a little bit to me psychologically why people, when you can't hit your old times for like what you used to be able to run a 5k or 10k in, but you have this whole new frontier of opportunities that, you know, push into these longer distances, you know, half marathon or marathon, or even the ultra races. Now I see a lot of people in my age group that seem to be really drawn to ultras. It's kind of crazy to me, mm-hmm. but I get it. And I think that you know, you're less likely to get injured if you're just running long and slow than if you're running short and fast. Um, I just think that, so I think there's, you know, I think that there are a whole bunch of like just small contributing things that lend people to sort of start to push to the longer, slower race, race distances Mm -hmm. and marathons are, you know, they're, they're appealing to people. They really are. I mean, there's, they're, it's a cool event. I mean, you know, used to be kind of a rare thing for people to do now marathons, you know, are, are fairly commonplace, but it's still a cool event to be able to say, you know, you ran 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of history behind, you know, like, uh, especially a race like Boston, there's a lot of history and it's kind of like, uh, yeah, just a big bucket list item for a lot of people to, yep. um, you know, even qualify for Boston and then yeah, to go there and run. And it's, um, yeah, just a pretty iconic thing. So. Yeah, I've I toyed with I've toyed with marathoning a few times over my my decades. I thought about it in my 30s when I actually wasn't dealing too much with planner. I just never got around to doing one. And then when I got into my 40s, it just seemed like every time I would start to contemplate it, I would set myself back with the, the planner problems, and I'd go, "Why am I, Why am I doing this?" You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. The the fun's not there, which is um, yeah. yeah. Something you touched on earlier is just yeah, keep it fun. Um, yeah, trying different types of training. Um, and an interesting thing that you said, um, I think before we started recording, but it's a, a really common theme in like, you know, some of the, the, um, uh, the runners that we, we all know in, in town here, like, um, different 
training styles, like oftentimes still produce really good results. So I think, um, again, like we don't have to be like tied to having to do a certain type of thing just because it works for, um, you know, the, this 25 year old that runs a three thirty in the 1500 or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, cause you said you've you trained different ways over the years and like you've, you've run well under, under each of them. So I think an important thing, um, take home here is like, um, if something's not working for you, like try, you know, little different ways of doing things and find what works for you and, um, yeah, what you enjoy doing and, and keep it fun. Yeah. I, I think, um, I've always kind of considered myself an experiment of one, right. It's just, you know, I'm willing to be very flexible with like new ideas and new approaches to how to train. And maybe the most surprising thing to me was how, how, when, when 2020 happened, you know, I didn't consider myself a miler, not in the least. I considered myself like kind of maybe a 5k runner to maybe a 10k runner. I'd never um, done anything in a shorter distance that was, you know, particularly remarkable. And so the weird thing that happened with the mile for me was just, you know, COVID happened and I just kept training a certain way. The last training before COVID happened was me trying to get ready for a mile. And so I just kept building on that exact same training because I had no races to train for anyway. And then when I finally started getting a chance to compete, I was actually pretty surprised how well I was running at that distance. And so th that was a great learning for me. It's like, you thought you're a 5k runner, but age graded, I was better at the mile than anything I've run as a master's. And I was like, well, that's kind of crazy, you know? And one of the things is, you know, I don't think I had the speed as a young runner to be particularly good at the mile, but as I've aged, I've just aged well. And, you know, maybe my, I haven't lost the speed I have. I haven't lost as much as other people would have. And therefore it's sort of like, it's a great equalizer mm -hmm. in a sense. So it's, it's kind of interesting to me. I, you know, like I can run all out. I can run a, I can run a 400 meters in 65 seconds all out like mm -hmm. as fast as I can go, but I can run, you know, when I ran that, um, that mile, they were four, four seventy one second, four hundreds back to back. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's, just, it's the endurance, not the speed mm, that, right. that, that got me there. Yeah. You know, one thing, um, one thing we haven't really touched on yet. Um, just want to go over the last few minutes here is um nutrition like what, what kind of role does nutrition play in your ability to stay healthy and um, perform at this level um i i changed when i turned 50 i went and got a physical and my blood pressure was kind of high my cholesterol was going up and i wasn't very happy with any of that and uh i had my wife had given me a book called um the china study which was sort of an indictment on the standard american diet and it kind of advocated for a much more plant-based way of eating. So I decided just to uh, switch to a plant-based diet then. And so, and when, when I say plant-based, I also try to just, I try to eat the foods I eat. I try to eat healthy foods. You can be very unhealthy plant-based foods, or you can eat very healthy plant-based foods, you know, like whole foods and things like that. So I've been pretty much ve vegetarian slash vegan since, since I turned, um, and mostly vegan, not, not vegetarian. So I, I, I don't eat, ever eat meat. I don't eat fish. I don't eat any, anything like that every once in a while. It's possible. I'll, I'll have a little dairy or I won't pay attention to a label or whatnot, but, but I tend to just eat, you know, whole grains, legumes, vegetables, fruits. Um, I eat a lot of tofu. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I eat a lot of nuts too, actually. Um, but so I feel like I have a good diet. I hope it's, it feels to me like it's a diet that allows me to eat a lot of nutritious foods and still maintain a pretty lean body weight as a, as an athlete. Um, and I feel like I, I get good benefits from things like recovery from the way I eat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. yeah, this it's worked super well for me. Um, and mm-hmm. I, it's interesting. Um, right after I turned 60, um, you know, I, I got recognized as the, um, national runner of the year in my age group by us track and field for road racing, the guy, some, they gave it, even though I broke the world record for the mile, they gave it to somebody else for the track. Cause he also broke a world record in the 800 meters. Um, and then there's another guy, um, named Joe Sharan, who lives in Washington state, who was just dominated in the, in cross country for a whole bunch of years. And it turned out all three of us eat the exact same way. Essentially, we are all, all plant-based. And I said, oh, wow. it was interesting for me to at least see that in that year when they recognize the best cross country, the best road and the best track guy of the M60 age group are all plant-based. I thought that's kind of, that. I mean, the percentages of us are pretty small. So the fact that, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it wasn't anything other than a coincidence, but I thought it was pretty interesting. It's clearly not a detriment to high level performance um, as an athlete. Right. Yeah. That's a really good, uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. So when you turned 50 is when you switched to, mm-hmm. uh, so it's been, yeah, 13 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I think, um, the big thing is just making sure you're getting enough. Yeah. Macronutrients in in protein is, uh, I think the big concern as long as you're, as long as you're eating enough, basically, I think it's, uh, yeah, people do do really well. Um, yeah. And certainly not, uh, not a negative. Like I think there's still maybe some coaches out there that would say like, you know, you can't train to a high level if you're not eating, um, animal protein sources. And, um, but yeah, I think you just have to be diligent. Um, yeah. I think if you eat, if you eat whole foods, you know, there's going to be more protein than you probably appreciate. And it's also, it's the easiest thing in the world to supplement if you're nervous about it. Um, I don't think Mm -hmm. excess protein does you much damage. It's certainly, um, you know, like a, a typical lunch for me is I'll just make uh, make some tofu and mix it with some legumes and a grain like brown rice or quinoa or something like that and just flavor mm-hmm. it all kinds of different ways. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know I get most of the macronutrients and plenty of protein that way. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, certainly becoming, yeah, more and more common for like athletes to be vegan and, um, yeah, I think it's eventually we'll have more data on like, you know, what to the, you know, where people can focus their, um, you know, what the benefits are and and how to, um, everyone can kind of like tap into that a little bit with, um, uh, fitting it into their, their life and stuff. But yeah, I think the thing, the, the thing I would worry about as a, as a master's athlete is, is my diet consistent with good heart health? Because once you, once you lose the heart as an endurance athlete, you're sort of, sort of, for all intents and purposes, sort of a game over problem, right? I mean, actually there mm-hmm. are a few guys that I know who have like come back from heart attacks and run at an incredibly high level, actually mm-hmm. two that I can think of. So I'm not saying it's completely a game over thing, but I still think that the heart is the one muscle that you probably ought to be especially concerned about as a master's aging master's athlete mm-hmm. and making sure your diet's consistent with good heart health. 
Yeah, totally. It's an interesting point. I, um, I had one of my master's athletes bring bring um a book to my attention. I'm blanking on the name of her right now, but she's a master's swimmer in the area. And um yeah, she's basically talking about like like these um uh high level master's athletes who've had arrhythmias. And I think I've known like at least four or five guys who are like just, you know, just super, super fit and um mo- interesting, mostly swimmers. Um and um but but did kind of dabbled in the trail running and um you know hit 50 and um had these arrhythmias and had to get like pacemakers um, yes that's it the arrhythmia is the afib stuff i mean yeah it's actually there's a shocking number of people that you bump into that yeah. were masters athletes and have had to tone it down or cut it out completely because of of those kinds of issues mm-hmm. yeah so the guys you're talking about who had a heart attack do they have to get any like procedures i'm just curious or um like do they have where the you know, or the stents or just medication management or, um, or anything more invasive or, um, you know, the one, there's one guy who's, who's, he really runs at like, um, he won the M55 age group in the U S 5k cross country championships here in Boulder. Um, and I think it was after he's already had two heart attacks and I don't know if, if he had stents put in or not, but he's still running at a very, very high level. Um, mm-hmm. he, he actually, I mean, he won that race, um, for his age group and I don't know the extent of, um, like if he had stents or anything like that. Um, yeah. so I, 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 I should actually find that out. That's, that's a great question. Yeah. The Haywire Heart. That's, that's the, um, that's the book yes, I was thinking of. Heard, yeah. I have heard of that book. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it kind of goes back to what we talked about originally of like, the number one goal should be um, like a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, like you, you said, like you change your mindset from being a runner to being an endurance athlete and doing things that supported a healthy lifestyle. So kind of this holistic approach. Um, and I think that's what everybody is kind of like ultimately like searching for is like, how can I, you know, do the best for myself long-term just overall health and be able to do yeah, some fun competitive things in running or, um, just other activities or, um, yeah, just kind of capitalize on, on life. Um, well, yeah, it's a totally a quality of life decision, right? I mean, you know, you can, you can put in, you can put in the time now in terms of managing sort of your fitness and managing your diet, managing sleep, managing stress, and, and it'll pay dividends for a really long time, or you can just push that stuff off and off and off. And then, and then basically, you know, something else shows up on your doorstep and it's probably a, a much less attractive, you know, set of, set of options that you have at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I feel like it's just invest in the future that you want for yourself and start investing in it now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great if your passion is a sport like running, because, there's so many competitive opportunities. What one of the things that is really great, uh, I really probably never appreciated as a younger person, but it's it's every bit it's probably more fun for me right now as a runner than it's ever been in my life. And the reason I say that is is because that there's still really high level competitive opportunities out there, but some of the experiences that come with being a 60 plus year old runner have been amazing. I got to run at the U.S. Um, I'm wearing the shirt from at the U.S. Track and Field Championships. They basically do a master's exhibition mm-hmm. within the context of the overall meet. I got to run at Hayward Field on a Sunday right after Elise Cranny won the 5K and right before Bryce Hopple nice. won the 800 meters. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of the funnest things I've ever done. 
you know, they're yeah. international. Um, there's, there's a world masters organization that holds an outdoor and an indoor track and field championship every other year. And, you know, those will bring 10,000 athletes together. And some of them are freaking awesome. They're just, mm -hmm. they're inspiring. Some of the older people, even than you are just incredible to see, you know, there's some great USATF uh, cross country championships, you know, throughout the year. So there's so many. Uh, and then the last one for me is because I'm still running the mile fast. I get to go run at some of these pro meets in the master's event. They'll have one master's mile. You know, and usually it's a, you know, it's a 520 or a five flat time standard, but I still can do that. So even at my age, I get to go run in these and kind of mm -hmm. hobnob with all these elite nice. young athletes. It's super fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you have anything coming up in the near future? Um, Boulder Boulder for me is, you know, I want to get the all-time age record for 64-year-olds. And then the week after that, I turn 64. I'm going to fly to Portland and run in a master's mile and um, see if I can hit sub um sub five again as a 64 year old only two other human beings on the his in the history of planet earth have run under five minutes for the mile over the age of 64 pretty cool and, uh, yeah no the, when is that uh it's like the weekend of like june 4th june 5th okay let's put that on my calendar to, to watch that yeah. So anyway, and if I don't do it, then I'll still try to do it later in the summer because it's coming early in the season that, you know, it's going to be hard to, hard to do it that early in the season, but I'm still going to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. Something to look forward to something to kind of motivate and guide my training. And then, um, you told me in the past, uh, then at 65, there's a new, that's kind of a new, it's age, a new age group, group baby. right? So, um, <laughs> you've got, I know that's next year is a, is a kind of big, goal year for you kind of building up this year to kind of be stable and keep your capacity up. But like really next year you want to be pretty fit because you've got some goals for, uh, 2024, right? Yeah. I, well, I'd like to, I'm going to, the, I, I want to break the world record for the indoor mile. I want to break the world record for the outdoor 1500 meters. Those are the two that I feel like if my training stays on track, they should be within my realm of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the world championships are like literally two months after I turned 65. So I'm excited to actually have a chance to run in the world championships when I'm really at just entering an age group because that's cool. always the, the funnest time. Yeah. Will that be, do you know where that will be? Yeah. It's in Sweden in Sweden. Gothenburg. Okay, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it'll be an Olympic year too. Right. So you think those would still be, um, those are going to be like, you're right. It's ex exactly competitive right. and, mm -hmm. People be excited about yeah track and yeah that'll be awesome cool anywhere anywhere in Europe when they have the world championships is fantastic because people can get around Europe you know um, so you get a huge deep European field mm -hmm. um, at these events and then there'll be people from the states and the rest of the world as well but it'll be really really deep European fields yeah that's awesome um, I have uh, I I guess a question like if you're so you've got this super yeah health health focused um you know um uh, well-rounded endurance kind of lifestyle that is seems awesome um for the past decade or i'm sure longer than that but i'm curious is there anything you would go back and you know 
tell yourself in, yeah, as a college athlete or maybe in your twenties or, or something when you were trying to run, is there anything that you would change, um, then, you know, from like, uh, kind of what you've learned in the past couple of decades through your experiences? Yeah. If, if I could go back and coach myself, like when I was in my twenties, the, the, the key things that would come out of my mouth would be, I would, I would make myself start cross training way earlier in life. I don't, you know, I, I probably was hitting 80 plus miles a week as a college athlete, but I think I could have, um, I could have done, you know, if I would have complimented that even back that down a little bit, but complement it with a lot more just base level, um, uh, endurance training, I think I would have been a better runner mm-hmm. back then. And then the other thing is to not, to not try to train through bad injuries. It's like, I don't know what, what I'm thinking when I do that, you know, like just to try to convince myself that like, it's not that bad and just, you know, keep doing what you've been doing. I mean, I would, I would coach myself away from that first plantar fasciitis problem I had because they really just set the stage for that to be a, a lifelong mm-hmm. problem. I never had a problem with it on my other foot. I had it one time on the other foot, but I just dealt with it swiftly and it never was an issue, you know, mm-hmm. after that. So I think it was, it was, it was allowing so much scar tissue to build up in, in soft tissue. I think that's just such a mistake. If I would, I would really encourage athletes that were dealing with those soft tissue injuries, just to take a longer, more holistic view at, at their, their life and their sport and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and go see professionals like the two of you and, and, you know, get put on the right path for, for getting those things taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, yeah. And easy in, in retrospect, I know I, I myself, like kind of similar concepts of, I, I would go back and tell myself those things, but um, it's hard when you're um, 18, 19, 20. And then I think, um, you know, it's still like sports at that age are probably still like, you know, like, well, like work harder, like be tougher, like, you know, like those things are, we think make champion champions or, or whatnot. And yeah, that's, really, a, that's a flawed mindset, isn't it? Yeah. Like the fastest people I know, um, like, you know, yourself included, like, yeah, like you guys work really hard and, um, you know, we could name some really fast people that we know, like, yeah, like hard work is part of the equation, but like the type of workouts that they're doing aren't any different than someone that's maybe running a minute or even two minutes slower in a 5k, you know, like, um, you don't, it's, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, be smart. Don't, uh, push through injuries too much seek advice when you need it. Um, yeah. And kind of keep the build more base through cross training. The other thing I would say is make sure you keep your easy days easy. Like that's, it's so easy to overtrain as a runner um, Mm -hmm. because you just do a little bit too much when you don't really need to be doing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought of you the other day, um, had a guy who's my age, uh, coming in and, uh, he's, kind of new to running, but, um, he's just generally like, yeah, healthy guy has a history of some, uh, other sports that he played when he was younger. There's, he was pretty good at, but anyways, he said his, I was like, what's your, what's your goal? Like, uh, he's like, well, you know, I, I like running. I'm really into it. I want to get some faster times, but really my goal is I want to, when I'm 60, I want to look like a fit 40 year old guy. <laughs> and I was like, I got a guy that you should meet. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, um, yeah, well, awesome. Um, 
yeah, thanks so much for for taking the time to talk with us and share share your story and some of your uh, some of your secrets. Um, I think some really helpful information and um, yeah, just like super motivating to um, for yeah somebody like like me to know that like you know like you don't have to keep training the same way to still be having fun in the sport and and maybe do some really fun competitive things in in the future. So yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, good luck with, uh, with your uh, upcoming races and, um, have fun out there. Yeah. Thank you. Really enjoyed the conversation with both of you guys. That was great. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, no, Dan. Thank, thank you. Yeah. And one, one last thing. Yeah. I think I get a lot of patients in clinic who like, they come in with these orthopedic injuries and like, I think I hear like at least two or three times a day, man, this getting old thing sucks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're living proof that it actually doesn't, it doesn't have to. In fact, it can get. Uh, can be a lot more fun as you as you go on so thanks a lot yeah, for all you do yeah absolutely like i said it's running as a competitive masters runner in my 60s has been the by far the funnest you know period of time i've had so like wouldn't trade it for anything awesome well thank you so much yeah all right th- thanks dan we'll see you all right guys take care bye